0: joined by your second favorite host shuki and at least one of the jews today on this podcast is very very nervous for a game this week and hopefully the team is not as nervous as as one of these jews on the podcast uh let me present to you the other jew also known as ffg
1: I'm thrilled to be here shuk it's it's passover where our people celebrate our escape from bondage in egypt and Arsenal escaping bondage in the mid-table and top-four races getting the title—it's it, biblical. It makes sense.
0: So I'm the kind of Jew where my non-Jewish girlfriend reminds me that it's Passover. Happy Seder to you, my friend. I hope you had a had a have a good one. Um, there's something sacred this weekend taking place. Do you know what it is?
1: Our our yearly beatdown at Anfield, right? It's uh, you set your watch by it, you schedule it in your calendar. Your arsenal goes to Anfield and we
0: embarrass ourselves every single day. I've been thinking about it more and more. As the, I'll be honest with you, I liked it when we were Unai Emery's days. I liked the chaos. I loved when the games were closer. When you watch a horror movie, when you go, people want entertainment. The last few months, easy games, three nothing here, three nothing there, fall asleep. In all seriousness, though, I think we have not gotten over our fear of Liverpool fully. We did beat them for a change, just barely at the Emirates. Um, We could talk about how that game played out, because for me, I felt it was a little bit too close for comfort. Um, We did come away with something at the end, but it could have easily been the other way. So I want to just get your read on, on, on this. Are you shitting yourself? the way that I am, because I am genuinely scared for this Sunday.
1: It's a a duality with Liverpool. And again, this is a fully Jewish podcast, so let's lean into it. There's long been a a trope used against the Jewish people, and I think against oppressed minorities uh, anywhere, uh, of all varieties, where you are simultaneously incredibly weak and uh, below less than the majority group and also terrifyingly powerful. And you know, I'm not trying to do a, an anti-Liverpoolism here. I'm not trying to be anti scouse but currently, it sure feels like Liverpool FC is exactly like that. You watch that game they had against Chelsea recently. Good God, in the midweek, that was one of the worst games of soccer I've ever seen in my life.
0: Homer away. You what? Sorry,
1: uh, they were at, they were at Chelsea. They're at Stamford okay. Bridge, but that's yeah, that's so not a home game for Liverpool, but also not really a home game for Chelsea. Stamford Bridge is finished. It is a car park once again. Uh, You watch them get absolutely demolished by Man City last weekend, despite getting that early gold, having something to to hold on to uh, against a team that's been their big rival that you think they'd be as up for as anything. And you just find yourself thinking Van Dyke looks slow as molasses, like Van Dyke looks injured out there. That's how slow he moves. Trent, Alexander-Arnold, that whole thing was a scam. Trent lied to us. We were all fooled by Klopp's genius system. Uh, because that guy, he's, he's creative, sure, he whips crosses in, but he's not Zinchenko on the ball. And off the ball, he is so much worse than all of your greatest fears for Zinchenko. You look at that midfield, everyone's either injured, a, a prospect that Liverpool fans get excited about, like a Harvey Elliott, but no one else really believes in. Or completely washed, like my guy Captain Hendo, Jordan Henderson, who you know I'm a big fan of. But good God, that man's, what, 45 years old at this point? He can't be carrying the midfield against us. See, you look at all of that. You think this is a disaster. These guys are screwed. We're going to put five past them. But you look at Salah up front. You look at Darwin Nunez up front. And if you know ball, you're scared of Darwin Nunez. Sorry to those of you who don't know ball out there. You look at Diogo Jota, who has scored against us every game, five times a game, every time he plays us. Diaz probably not back. Thiago may be back. It's a scary attack, and you combine that with their record at Anfield this season, it's already impressive. Their record at Anfield against us, it's terrifying. You think about Arteta playing, you'll never walk alone on the speakers. You'll think about him talking about how he hid at Anfield, and it's very easy to get yourself scared of this team that look absolutely, positively horrible when you watch them week in, week out.
0: That was that was art. What you just said was art. It was art in the podcast form. I think we have not seen Arteta take uh, side to Liverpool with an Arsenal roster that now is closely resembling the roster he took with his City days under Guardiola. Um, we have more now. We should be ideally less scared, it's just we have everything on the line, literally a title, which kind of adds, of course it adds to the pressure. So I think we can look at a few matchups. what What I want to ask you, because in Canada, you know, just want to say Canada played Uruguay recently and Nunes terrified us. I mean, our centre-backs are from MLS, it's not great, but Nunes was clearly like, you could tell, he stands out on the pitch. But what I want to ask you is, do we know who's in, who's out, for Arsenal, who are the maybes, as well as um, on the Liverpool side. And then we can get into expectations. Because in Canada, they blocked Wi-Fi on just my house for a few days. So I didn't know any, you know, Arteta secret messages.
1: Yeah, we did uh, bring up your internet troubles on the last pod shoot. Nice of you to not listen to your own podcast. But uh, we blamed potentially the PGMOL or potentially Pep Guardiola. So.
0: I love being compared to Thomas Pardee, so that was great. Turned Um, it off right then and there. Uh,
1: As far as team news, Arteta is being as cryptic as ever. The reporting is that Eddie and Nketiah is actually back running around looking healthy. Uh, We can maybe do an Eddie debate, but I think we've had our fair share of Eddie debates already this season. No one's seen Saliba, but there's a lot of murmurs that actually Saliba is okay right now, and he's going out there. I'd expect Rob Holding, I'd expect your choice of the four main attackers, plus probably Eddie available off the bench. And outside of that, I'd expect the Arsenal guys, you you expect to be ready. So I'm not getting my hopes up on this Saliba thing. But if you check around the internet, there's some, some pro-Saliba, Saliba's healthy conspiracies going around. On the Liverpool side of things, I think it's no Diaz, possibly Thiago, which I'm sure means yes, Thiago. And uh, no one yes to everybody else, respectively. I think Firmino's still gone, which is good. He terrorizes us, as does every Liverpool attacker. But uh, I think they got the rest of the attack. The midfield is a disgrace, but they're all healthy if Tiago's back. And the defense, again, is, is washed up and, and overrated. But that main four of Kanate, Van Dyke, Trent, and Robertson, they they're there.
0: When we touch on Rob Holding a little bit, I think we can obviously give him his, his credit. He, he he came in, he did a job. Now it's a little bit different now. I think he's a solid like mid-table centre-back. It's just a little bit different when you're going to Anfield away. These are where the title charges come in. This is where you need your squad players. And it won't be an excuse if we get the... Sh- like. I don't even want to say that, but every team has injuries. we got to deal with it. If we only have one main centre-back injured, it's not ideal, but I mean... I wouldn't want to think about Zinchenko against Salah. Do you picture tyranny here or absolutely not?
1: Oh, God, no. It's the Zinchenko show. I think the Tomiyasu-Salah thing was pretty clever in the home fixture, but that was before Zinchenko, well, A, he wasn't available that game, but B, that was before he became as vital of a part of the team as he already is. I'm not playing any matchups with Zinchenko at any point in time. For me, if Zinchenko is healthy, if he's ready to go and it's a game you got to win, Um, Zinchenko all day every day no matter who the opponent
0: Awesome and do you have a preferred I know there was a lot of a lot of noise out there about Trussard on the right how do you feel about that for Liverpool do you want to just see Saka back and and do you want Jesus we're we're
1: inventing storylines here on this Trussard Saka thing everybody's got Saka in there Uh, I think you don't overthink it you play Martinelli Jesus Saka because that is a world-class front three I'm a big Troussard guy I am one of the early and passionate and loud Troussard at false nine adopters in the Arsenal fandom Uh, some people have heard me saying that and have come out saying that though they wanted Troussard at Brighton they like Troussard here and there that's not what I'm saying I'm saying I knew Troussard was a nine and he has proven to be a nine and low-key, he has also kind of proven to not be a winger for us. So, simultaneously, stock rising, stock falling, slander center, and chub of the week. You heard it here first. So, I'm going Trussard off the bench. I know he scored a hat-trick at Anfield. I know he terrorizes Liverpool in general. But give me Martinelli, give me Jesus, give me Bukayasaka.
0: You can't think of better subs, though, to be honest. Trussard coming in at 60-65 get another hat-trick. I think... Um... That's the beauty of it, though, is if something were to happen where we need to play Trossard, I, I think we're in a much better boat. And my whole point is that we're in a much better boat. The last time we went to Anfield, um, we don't talk about that really. But if you look at our squad, we've up all the players are better, um, and there's new players that that came in. So I want to ask you: Do you envision just like clenching your 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 private parts and, and your chair and what have you, just an end to end back and forth? game do you do you do you envision like a high scoring game or do you think it'll be closer to kind of like a Chelsea Liverpool or Arsenal Newcastle type game because we know that Newcastle obviously is probably one of the if not the best defense in the league I think that's the only team who managed to make a zero zero in the league um so do you do you, what what do you see really for this game because i yeah I have my thoughts but I like to go I like for you to go first so I can then copy or steal what you say and pass it on as, as original.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now proud history of that in this podcast. That's for sure. Uh, I think this is a pretty wide open game. I think it's going to be high scoring. Uh, I'm not going to make my score prediction right now because that's for the end of the podcast. I guess stay tuned. If you want to hear that, or if you're really smart, you skip to the end, you go back a minute or two and you listen from there. But uh, you didn't hear that from me. You're not allowed to do that. So I do think it'll be pretty wide open. I think it'll be a high scoring game. For the most part, you know, hey, we're both Jewish. We're an anxious people. I tend to be pretty high anxiety, high stress during Arsenal games. I'm usually able to relax with a two-goal lead. But at Anfield, with Mo Salah, Darwin Nunez, even guys I don't rate like Cody Gakpo, but you know he can score. On the other side, two-goal lead's not going to calm me down. I'm going to need to see three, maybe four up before I uh, have any semblance of relaxation.
0: Yeah. I, I have to agree with you there as much as I want to put you on slander Sitter, but I can't here. It's very hard to put you on slander center because what you said is unslanderable. High-scoring game is – I said it first. High-scoring game is, of course, what we're going to see with these two high-attacking output teams. Now, do you buy into the whole Arsenal have been leaky since the World Cup? Our defense is in trouble because – we're in trouble since the world cup um do you think there was truth and merit to that um and do you think we should even worry about that and 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 just you know play our game and and kind of you know i'll take your queen you take my queen for our chess fans
1: i i know we do have a lot of big chess fans in the chat so yeah uh, hikaru i know you're listening magnus shout out to you uh we appreciate you Uh, And we hope to have you on the pod shortly. Um, This is a tricky one for me. I'm in two minds in this one. Because on the one hand, everyone knows I am this podcast stat guy. I'm the guy you go to. I've got the models. I've got the data. I've got the spreadsheets. They inform my entire worldview. Everyone knows I am the stats guy. On the other hand, everyone knows that I love lying. And I think lying is really cool. I think it's legal to do, and I think we should lie as much as possible. So the stats suggest that Arsenal have been giving up more goals recently. They suggest that we have been weak in terms of allowing set-piece goals. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale is actually saving shots that he should. His post-shot XG difference is actually higher than Matt Turner's right now, which is often not the case for him. So it's not even a rammer's issue. The stats suggest that we do have a problem, that we're allowing chances, particularly on set pieces, but in general, and that we're allowing goals as a result of it. I like to lie, and I think it'd be fun to say that's not an issue. I think it'd also be fun to slander Rob Holding a little, because that's just not happening enough. He's played well once, but it's still great to have someone to slander in the team. And I think it's worth noting, once again, that Darwin Nunez is exceptional, and that if you don't rate him, you are wrong. So collectively, despite my desire to lie, I am going to have to say, yes, we are leaking at the back right now. Yes, we are in danger. And yes, I'm terrified of what Darwin Nunez is going to do to our back line.
0: Do you think, speaking of a back, do you think Arteta will do his famous push a player who doesn't want to necessarily play onto the pitch, as we saw with the party against Spurs a year or two ago? Do you think you put... That's
1: a long time ago. That was Jose Spurs.
0: Do you, but do you think that we put fifty percent, 60 percent Saliba and then Holdings enough for some of the games after? I mean, I know we have Castle and I know we have City, but do you think? And at, at, we risk Saliba. What's your percentage on that?
1: It's tricky. I again, I'm this, I'm this podcast stats guy. I'm not this podcast medical expert. I do not have a doctorate of medicine or physical therapy um, or even of law, like our typical medical expert salibanomics has so i am in a a bit of a bind in that case my understanding of this issue for saliba is that there's not really a 50 60 percent roll him out there type of approach he's either responding to his treatment and his training and he's ready to go or he's in too much pain to train and therefore cannot play either so i don't think there's really a world where we've got a hobbled saliba out there we might just have a lightly practiced Saliba, a Saliba who hasn't been doing all of his sprints, a Saliba who you know, has been sitting on the sidelines. He's French. He's probably smoking cigarettes, eating uh, baguettes with, uh, with butter on him. So he might, might have a little bit of a beer belly. He might be a little easily winded, but I don't think he's going to be rolling off the field a la Thomas Party against Tottenham. I don't think it's that kind of injury, whether he plays or does not
0: yeah I, I I could agree I could agree with you there um I, I guess I guess I would just like one time for us to play city or Liverpool with a full healthy 11 I don't think it's happened I think every single time we played city or Liverpool we we, we have our core maybe top two one or two players gone at the same time so is to...
1: actually the least important member of the starting uh, at least of the outfield starting 11 I will stand yeah. by
0: that so I mean, maybe I've been watching too much Ted Lasso. There's a popular 4-4-2 that Arteta might try. But in all seriousness, I I feel I feel, that when you look at Liverpool, it's such... You know, we're talking about us leaking goals and that we have a problem after the World Cup. We're like five to eight points, at least like three to eight points ahead of city for most of the season. And the media finds time to write articles that we have a problem with leaking goals yet. We're number one at the table. So I have to, you know, kind of remind us, remind the fans that, that we are different, but yeah, like you said, high functioning anxiety. Uh, our third member is not here. He's dealing with our legal side. We're being counter sued by a podcast. We won't mention Th- there is this, just this element that I really think that if we win, against Liverpool the title is ours because that has shown a progression that the mentality the players are probably not as nervous as us I'll take a draw Shuk's very happy with the draw you know a 1-1 one, one, a 2-2 two, two. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm fine with that since it is probably the top one or two most difficult games are you are you on that side or do you are you not happy with the draw
1: I'm not happy with the draw at all here, Shuk, And to respond to that, as well as your earlier comments about not being concerned about our leakiness at the back because we're at top of the league, let me quote one of the most controversial but most prominent Jewish-Canadians, actually, from your side of the border, Shuk, of our generation and any other, a poet known as Aubrey Drake Graham, who once said... Fuck all this happy-to-be-here shit that y'all want me on. We are top of the league. We are, if not the best team in England, at worst, the second best team in England, and the only other team in England that can compete with us is coached by Pep Guardiola, is financially doped to the gills, and frankly should probably be facing a, a point deduction because they didn't even financially dope within the very, very loose rules provided to bully around the Premier League and spend all the money you want to. So I understand that this Arsenal squad is really, really good. But we can compare it to the greatest teams of all time. We are not Leicester City. We are not Wrexham, your beloved Wrexham AFC. This is the Arsenal. This is a mega club. And this is a team trying to compete to win the Premier League and to go on and win the Champions League after that. So we're not comparing ourselves to Unai Emery's Arsenal. We're not here comparing ourselves to Pochettino's Spurs. We're here comparing ourselves to Centurion City, to -to -to back-to-back-to-back Champions League Real Madrid, because that's the standard we're trying to set. That's what we're aiming for. And with this squad and this club, and perhaps most importantly, this coach, that's the only standard you should be comparing yourself to. That's the standard you should set. So Drake said it. I repeated it. But we do have a defense problem. We've got problems to address in the summer. And if we win out and win the title, that's phenomenal. I'll be thrilled, but you bet your ass I'll be showing up the second that transfer window opens, June 1st probably, I didn't look it up, with notes for Edu on what to do.
0: During your uh, last soliloquy, I actually got a call from the Jewish administration. My Jewish card is being revoked. My uh, Canadian card is being revoked. My common sense card is being revoked because I had to Google Aubrey Jake Graham stupidly because I knew the name, but I somehow it was like out of my memory in my head that, that that's I Drake. thought about
1: just saying Aubrey Graham, and I'm glad I didn't Shook, because he would have been very lost. Yeah.
0: And then my facial expression when I Google him and I see, when you Google Aubrey Jake Graham, you don't get Drake. You get Degrassi Jake. And for those who don't know, that's a very different Drake. That's that's the Drake. He actually grew up near where I grew up in Toronto. Um, actually, like a few kilometers away from where I grew up. And that's the one I recognize walking around. That's the Aubrey. And he does, he has a, paints himself to be a supporter of all my three teams. Whenever he supports the Raptors or the Leafs or Arsenal, everything except, I, I guess the Raptors did win once, but I'm hoping that's that's what's going to happen. Um, I would like to play a game with you and it's called, do you know that game when you were, uh, from whose line is it anyway, where we're not playing this, this is just an example. I say, hello, or no, I say hi, or no, I say you, and then you say are, and then I say my, and we kind of help each other finish a sentence. But instead of that, we're going to do goal by goal. So I'm going to say who scores to make it one, nothing. And then you are going to say who scores the second goal. So you could say, then it's two, nothing arsenal. And then I'm going to say, or you could say one, one, and we're going to, kind of predict who does the goals and roughly a time of the game. Are you are you game for that?
1: Uh, I do have it in my contract, no improv games, but I think this is football related enough that my lawyers will accept it. My agent will approve this. So yeah, let's, let's go ahead and do it.
0: Okay, absolutely. So I was very teetering on this. If it's like a Sala opener or if it's a, a Martinelli screamer opener. I think Liverpool do like to have a high line. They like to press high, and I could see Martinelli taking advantage of that in the in the 16th minute, opening with a one nothing near post shot, um, after beating your favorite right back, TAA. What happens next?
1: Uh, 27th minute, Liverpool maybe overcompensating on that right hand side, giving too much help to TAA. Ball plays out left. They over-rotate. Goes back through the middle in Jesus. Saka makes that little off-ball run, cutting in from the right. Bang. Curls into the top corner. 2-0 Arsenal.
0: It was at this point that Arsenal feeling confident going into the second half. However, that confidence quickly turned to nerves as Klopp has done his famous shouting at Arteta. Arteta smart this time. Doesn't react. Ignores him. Goes like this. Obviously, our listeners can't see what I'm doing, but imagine a hand waving Kind of, very poorly. Like I, I do have
1: to. I don't want to not yes, and you, Shook, in the rules of improv here, but I do have a disagreement over how I feel Arteta should react to Klopp this time around.
0: Okay, we'll go on a tangent. Go on. Go on.
1: So a, a lot of people who see my posting know this. Some may not. Uh, I am, and this is brave of me to admit. I'm being very vulnerable, very brave here. I'm a fan of professional wrestling. Okay. The toughest thing to admit, the most discriminated group in the world, you know it's perhaps. fake, right? You know it's pro fake, wrestling right? fans. Oh, it's fake, but it's also right. oh so real. Not WWE wrestling, of course. That is terrible. That is garbage. But Japanese pro wrestling, oh yeah, and some American independent derivatives of it, and sometimes all elite wrestling as well because it's it's kind of more the same. If Jurgen Klopp gets in Arteta's face, he needs to make like a Ric Flair, perhaps, go down beyond that don't just go down writhe on the ground and don't just writhe on the ground take a little razor blade that he's hidden or been handed by the referee I assume the Premier League referees will do this like the pro wrestling referees do cut his forehead open and start bleeding all over his face that's what Mikel Arteta should do when Klopp turns up the intensity not just feign I'm above this don't pretend to be above it bump for him take the dive Go down, blade, and get that blood flowing and see what the Anfield crowd does when that happens because they will not be prepared for it.
0: So there you have it, folks. You have two versions of something happening. The end result is the same. The Klopp's antics and Arteta's reaction fires up the Liverpool crowd. We have Salah come in on the right side. Zinchenko a little bit too far far up beats Ramsdale when he cuts in and kind of does a sack of move with his left foot that's okay it's 2-1 we go into the half we're we're going into the second half a little bit a little bit happy but a little bit cautious um who opens the scoring in the second half
1: so we're 2-1 at halftime we come out absorb a few waves of pressure we handle it we hang in there we compete long outlet ball to jesus He spins Van Dyke. Just puts him absolutely on a plate. We're here maybe 53rd, 54th minute. One-on-one with Allison. Nothing to do but tap it in. He's Gabby Jesus. Allison's Allison. Allison makes the saves 100 times out of 100. No chance in hell Jesus is scoring here. Rebound goes out to Granit who just swings that beautiful left foot. Laces through it. Screamer into the back of the net. 3-1 Arsenal.
0: I love it. Unfortunately, Arteta... After, at this point in the future, I know it's a grandfather paradox, but he has listened to this pod. He heard my suggestion that I'm about to say where Liverpool get a set piece. I don't the, think this
1: is a grandfather. I think he will listen to the pod. So no, I think this is all fine. Please carry you, on, shoot. You, you this is right. not a paradox, though. This is I'm, not a paradox at all.
0: Well, let me finish. I might be illiterate, but you'll you'll see. So, what, sorry, we just, you know, so that the game eventually ends. Did you mention what uh, minute the third goal was I'm just trying to get. A uh, time I think it's a,
1: maybe 60 second.
0: Okay, so in the 67th minute, they win a set piece. Now Arteta hears my suggestion to put Jesus marking Van Dyke for the corner, for a corner kick, and Arteta thinks, "Yeah, I, I don't care. Jesus can do it. He can mark Van Dyke. He doesn't. Van Dyke heads it in. It's now three two for Liverpool in the 67. Sorry, three two for Arsenal in the 67th minute." Well,
1: I did not see that one coming. I I really thought that Arsenal were going to get out of there with uh, only one goal allowed. Uh, Maybe now it's the 81st minute. Liverpool, they sense blood off of the face of Mikel Arteta and from the Arsenal team in general. They're pushing up. They send the ball to Cody Gakpo, a.k.a. Cody Midpo, a.k.a. Cody Gakpoop, a.k.a. Cody Midpoop. He makes too many dribbles. He tries to do too much. He doesn't make the simple pass. Salah's in. But Gakpo can't find him. Instead, that pass is disrupted by Jorginho, J20, the stepfather who stepped up. He's come on for Thomas Party, and on the 75th minute, something like that. He pings a beautiful Jorginho through ball. Gabby Martinelli runs onto it. Gabby Martinelli cuts to his right, looks up, and whips in the left footed cross to Leander for the tap in, 4 2.
0: I love that. But. The universe has a way. You know, I like The Sopranos because they always keep it interesting. An HBO classic. This uh, uh, is not on HBO, but in the 87th minute, we have a break. We have, again, Salah uh, running down. Crosses it to to Darwin. Holding does his famous slide tackle in the box. Penalty. Ramsdale doesn't save the penalty, but he almost does. Holding... We can see if he's sent off or not. I don't care because this is about goals here. It is now 4-3, 87th minute. Keep this going all night, folks. What's going to happen now? Who gets the next goal? And at what minute?
1: It's a dangerous position. This is a game of leadership. Liverpool have the greatest leader in English football and perhaps all of football today, Jordan Henderson. He steps up on a dead ball lines up the free kick, prepares himself, takes a deep breath, gets ready to hit it, hits it straight into the wall, Arsenal break the other way, there's a last-ditch foul just on the edge of the boss, and technical leader, Martin Odegaard, the leader who doesn't yell, who doesn't point, but who leads through his actions, buries the insurance goal from the free kick, 5-3 Arsenal, 89th minute, 91st minute, that's 90. the celebration. They take two whole minutes to celebrate. VAR, try and stop that. Try to add that time. To, you won't. This isn't the World Cup. You're not adding that time to the clock.
0: So it's Martin five, Odegaard free kick. So it's it's five three and Odegaard's free kick is in the ninety second minute. He scores it. So it's five three, right? Yeah. How much extra time is added?
1: Up to you. You're in control here.
0: Oh God. Okay. So I guess a plus six. they caught holding picking his nose they had a fight about it that added some time so it's five three um Liverpool doing some more pressure um really just some one twos in the box and Ben White who has been dominating um the right side all game maybe he has a little bit of a slip up they get a shot in again Ramsdale it's 5-4 5-4 however it goes to VAR because there was an earlier foul from three minutes ago um, where Klopp put salt literally on Arteta's bleeding wound he salts it they caught that on the VAR from three and a half minutes ago back in the 89th minute and they cancel the goal so it is still 5-3 and there we have it folks is there another goal I think it ends there right
1: Yeah, I I think it ends there.
0: So we could keep this going all night. You know, I was going to just keep adding goals and and, and see what would you have done 10 minutes later if we were like, you know, 8-6. But as Arsenal's always ahead, no matter how many Liverpool goals I add, Arsenal still wins. Now, generally, that's... If I were to tell you my actual prediction, I would have said 4-3, like something crazy like that. Do you... Are you in... Does this sit well with you?
1: Uh, I think I'm officially on the record as a 5-2 finish.
0: Uh, 5-2, not 5-3. 5-2, that's not not a 5-3. Okay, okay. Um, Do you have any sort of uh, memory? I think back in uh, February or January, we played a game called My Dream, My Fear. Do you have any dreams or fears for this game in particular?
1: Oh, wow. I I do remember that one. That was an early day in this podcast. Yeah. Uh, my dream is that the almost games that we've seen Gabby Martinelli have against Liverpool in the past Which I think that last, at Anfield last year was an almost game for Martinelli Where he had a bunch of near chances Was nearly the Gabby Martinelli breakout game My dream is that this is the Gabby Martinelli get breakout game We all know how good Martinelli is The general public does not seem to understand it In part because he plays opposite Bukayo Saka My dream is that Martinelli scores two, assists two, scores a hat-trick, something of the sort. He's approaching the Premier League single-season Brazilian goals record. I'm not going to look up how far he is from it, but he's close-ish. And my dream is that Martinelli breaks out as a bona fide world-class superstar for the general public, not just for Arsenal fans in this game.
0: You have to remember, he's going up against Cedric-level defending. Maybe even worse than that. Maybe Bellerin-level defending. Um,
1: Post-ACL Bellerin.
0: Yeah, post-ACL Bellerin. Because pre-ACL, that was before Shook's time, but I saw videos. He was running fast like me in 2009 track and field. That's what I was doing. Um, And do you you have a fear? Maybe the fear that that this podcast never ends? or, Or do you have a fear related to the game?
1: Yeah, I do fear that this podcast never ends. I fear, I think I may have selected the wrong microphone when we began this podcast. That's my current fear. My fear for the game are that our Anfield nightmares come true once again. I'm scared not just of conceding, not just of losing. I'm scared of some attempt to play out the back that Liverpool press cranks the intensity up. They score a goal. They crank the screw again. They see it's their time to pounce. And we capitulate. We break down again. And not only do we drop the points, not only do we allow these goals to be scored, but we suffer a serious blow to our our sense of invulnerability, our sense of confidence, and the team does not leave this game with either the points or the belief that they entered it with.
0: The the media, you know, they always have, it's coming, it's coming. The crumble, the collapse is coming, and I guess that's a fear that's been baked deep deep inside us. There's a belief... Uh, in the team this year, um we all see it, we all feel it, we all heard it. Arteta's has joined some podcasts recently. Um I I wanna say that, you know, whatever happens, my fear is that the Canadian Wi Fi will give out and I'm gonna have to get text by text play tethering on my phone from you in the Discord telling me what's happening. Uh, I'm not be avoid, messaging you, yeah. I, I, I do avoid that, count the Discord. On that. I cannot be in there during a game because I can't have one of those guys four minutes ahead <laughs> type in FFS, for fuck's sake. Why? So, yeah, I mean, this is this is the game of the season. Th- th- these are the games that we'll look back on, hopefully. Um, I really... Yeah, I, I don't know what else... I don't know what else to say, really, because... oh one one more thing. Have Liverpool... I know they've had a good home record. Have they been dominating, turning screws at home, or have they just had like close calls and, and won? Um, being our stats guy, this is something that yeah. you should just be able to spit out. So as the
1: stats guy, I can point to you to when stats lie. And stats don't lie, but sometimes they misrepresent the facts. Liverpool have a stellar goal difference at home. Liverpool beat Bournemouth 9-0 and beat Man U 7-0. You remove those two games, which you shouldn't. They did happen, and Liverpool is not dominating teams at home. You remove those two games, and they've got a nice, competent home record where they've won games, plenty of close games. They've also drawn and lost before as well. So there's a 16 nothing over the course of two games that uh, is the kind of thing that used to happen to Arsenal. But I'm pretty sure even in our worst nightmare scenario for this one, that doesn't happen to Arsenal anymore.
0: Bless this man. Have a happy Passover. Have a good Seder to all our listeners. I do have one rant, though. What is the deal with liver and pool? Why is it called Liverpool? Where's the liver? Where's the pool? Who comes up with that name? Where Was there a pool full of liver? Was there livers in, in someone's pool? Like, Can, can you explain Like, what, why is it called Liverpool? I never understood that. In Canada, all our streets make sense. Ottawa. We have Toronto. We have Canada. We have... Um, We have Calgary. We have Vancouver. These all make sense. We don't have a pool full of liver. Like, what's going on with that? Like, why? And why are they called Scousers?
1: I really thought that that was the bit where you were going to end the podcast.